It's much better in here than it is trying to do it next right. to the still. Right. Yeah. And they're filling tanks. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean, instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. Kenny and Ryan here, and we are on site today. Uh, we're going to cross another DSP off the list today. Ryan, you want to talk and tell people where we're at today? Yeah, we're back in, if you may or may not know, I grew up in Bardstown. And uh, <laughs> we're back in Bardstown and uh, actually went to school right across the street from here. Uh, we'd always, you know, smell the mash. We're at Barton's today. Uh, super excited about it. And I know Kenny's like thrilled on the way down here. I told him that Barton's made Kentucky Tavern. He's like, no way. Are you serious? And I was like, yes, Kenny, talk about your yeah, affliction. With, I've got uh, a, I've got, I've got a long history of love affair with Kentucky Tavern because when I went to college, that was, that was the bourbon staple. That was the bourbon of choice that our fraternity had. It was handles of Kentucky Tavern every single weekend. And I, I don't know why, but we always loved the label because it said the aristocrat of bourbons. I mean, we, we were dumb frat kids. Like we didn't even right. know what aristocrat really meant. Right. But we loved it. And I remember it was probably a good three years ago. It was when they started put, maybe it was two years ago. Hell, it might've been a year ago. I've, I've lost track of time now, but they rebranded the label and now it no longer says the aristocrat of bourbons. 
bourbons on the label now and a little piece of me was taken away your heart was pulled out of your chest yeah yeah <laughs> but again we are here at barton's today and uh, we have to give a shout out to adam johnson of the kentucky bourbon affair uh, in the in the kda uh just because we wouldn't have met josh we wouldn't have met a lot of great people without getting some of the media passes that were going on to the bourbon affair that's we had a chance to actually meet josh at whiskey live this year he was handing out samples of 1792 foolproof so i had my first sample of that there but uh so again thank you very much adam for for handing those out but this is a good time to introduce our guest today so today we have josh hollifield josh is the visitor center manager for barton 1792 distillery so josh welcome to the show thank you for having me did i get your title right you did okay you did. so kind of give us a, some idea of, of what else you do here at the distillery mainly I, I manage the hospitality operations here so tours and gift shop um, but above that also deal with that, any of the type of brand promotion stuff. So any of the events that we participate in, the Kentucky Bourbon Festival or anywhere else that I can help out with the brand. I, I've been to several whiskey fests as well. So just, and as you saw me at the, at the uh, Whiskey Live. So, so talk, talk about a little bit your, your coming of age tale to bourbon. Like how, how did you get into it? We, we were talking a little bit before we started recording that you grew up in Louisville. You know, we're both Louisville guys as well. Well, actually, but Ryan's from Bardstown, if you didn't know that. <laughs> but it's, so we've, we've kind of grown up in Kentucky and been a little surrounded by bourbon, but what sort of influenced you to get into the industry? Um, really, it started in college, I think, as as most of us go. Um, you know, at, at it was being Kentucky a, Tavern. It was Kentucky unfortunately, Tavern. What, unfortunately, <laughs> it was not Tavern. Um, but uh, being a Kentucky boy, as I, I started experimenting with alcohol, I wanted to go to our home spirit of bourbon. So I worked my way, actually started with Jim Beam. I worked my way through every affordable label of Jim Beam that I could find. Um, then finally, one weekend, I found myself with nothing to do, so I left Lexington at UK and drove over to Versailles to the Woodford Reserve Distillery. I uh, took in that tour, and at that point, I was hooked. Uh, so then I just kind of went on from there, experimenting with more and more bourbon and getting more in-depth uh, with what I like, and then uh, had really fell in love with 1792 beforehand, um, but then had the opportunity to come down here out of the restaurant industry. Uh, where I was at and get into a little bit more normal schedule and then also getting into an industry that I love with uh, with bourbon. That's awesome. So also give us some idea of, you know, how long you've been at the distillery and is this the only job you've held or, you know, uh, what what else is, have you been doing here? I was hired in three and a half years ago. So November of 2012 um, to run the visitor center and, and operations. And, and the job has has expanded from there. Uh, strictly hired in for tours and, and gift shop. But, you know, loving the industry and then loving the brand itself, anything that we can do to get out there. You know, the, the way our visitor operations uh, run for Sazerac, both Buffalo Trace here and Ace Smith Bowman, is we see that as uh, visitors as a marketing opportunity. So we don't charge for any of our tours or our tastings. We want you to come in, have a good time, learn the story behind the brand, how it's made, and then hopefully we create a, a fan out of that. So, you know, the end goal uh, for the visitor operation is to push the brands and to get brand awareness out there. Some of our listeners may not know that uh, Sazerac, who also owns Buffalo Trace, did acquire you. So kind of give a little bit of background into there as well. So people will kind of understand the uh, the hierarchy of, of bourbon, if oh, you will. Oh, sure. Um, so Sazerac is a uh, American company. It's a family-based company out of uh, New Orleans. So we are still family-owned. We're not publicly traded. Um Prior to that, we were owned by Constellation Spirits, um, which is another large liquor company. As they were reducing their footprint into distilled spirits, they had sold off Barton Brands um, to Sazerac in 2009. When Sazerac picked up Barton, they uh, more than doubled the size of their company. 
in one purchase. Uh, with that, they got all of the brands that came with Barton, uh, which were hundreds of brands, um, not just bourbon, but uh, other vodkas, gins, other spirits as well. Um, and they also picked up all of our facilities, which included the Barton Distillery, which is where we're at today, the Glenmore Distillery out of Owensboro, as well as a uh, shipping and processing plant in Carson, California, as well as uh, Maryland. So I kind of want to ask, ask a little bit about the grounds. Give us a little bit of history of, of what this distillery is here in Bardstown. Sure. We, uh, we sit in a small valley um, right on the outside of Bardstown, Kentucky. We're less than a mile from the city center, so you can actually walk here from the courthouse um, if you wanted to. Uh, we sit on 196 acres, uh, which includes 28 traditional rick houses and, and the distillery, as well as a mega warehouse that'll hold another 80,000 barrels. So we have a full barrel capacity here of over 600,000 barrels. Um, so it is a, a good piece of space. Um, I like to tell people we're on the small side of big. So with over half a million barrels in stock, uh, we're not a craft distiller by any means as far as barrel production. But uh, when you look at us next to, you know, some of our neighbors here in town, like Heaven Hill, that has over a million barrels or over Jim Beam that has over two, not quite to that size. Um, But we've been here since 1879, um, basically continuously distilling except minus the years of prohibition. So what happened during Prohibition? Kind of give us a little bit of background during sure. there. During Prohibition, um, if you look at uh, history of, of distilleries, how many distilleries were lost during Prohibition, it really kind of uh, threw a wrench into the screws um, for um, for bourbon distillation. Different distilleries that did not get a medicinal license um, maintained the properties in different ways. Um, many, like us, were able to contract through distillers that had a medicinal license. So whatever barrels that we did not lose due to either confiscation or, or theft, uh, we were able to sell out. Um, so if you look at Dusty Bottles uh, collections, you'll see Tom Moore Medicinal Whiskey, um, which was one of the one of the bourbons that we were making at the time. So I guess that also kind of talks about, we didn't get a chance to go see it, but we, we did our little quick uh, run through of the distillery. But you also have like a historic spring here on the grounds that sort of uh, has fed all the limestone water and it's called the Thomas Moore Spring. Talk a little bit about yeah, that was and, Thomas Moore and what all that is. Tom Moore was a, a distiller. Um, he was married into the original distillery here on this property was the Willett and Frankie distillery that operated off of the Morton Spring, which is still on the property. We don't use that spring, but it still uh, has a pretty good flow to it. Um, he married into the Willett family um, or was re- related in along with his business partner, um, Ben Mattingly, and formed a, took over the Willett and Frankie distillery and became the Mattingly and Moore distillery. Um, then somewhere during, uh, just due to title changes and, and whatnot, Tom Moore left that distillery to form his own distillery in the same valley, operating off another natural spring, which is now called the Tom Moore Spring. So it's a, a limestone rich water, and that's why 95% of the world's bourbon is created here in the state of Kentucky. Um, one of the reasons, because of our limestone rich water. Um, and we still use that spring today, but of course our production uh, levels up quite a bit higher. So we still have a 28-acre uh, lake off property that we supplement our water source from. It is Springfield as well. Right. Well, yeah. I saw some pictures of the spring itself. Like, yeah, you're not you're not filling eight hundred dollars, eight hundred barrels a day. Six hundred thousand barrels with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I guess the so we know what happened to the Willett family. That was kind of the other side of it of of the what, kind of what happened, right? Because we know mm-hmm. Willett is. Uh, uh, if you could throw a football, like you could probably almost hit it from here, right? Maybe, maybe a few. Uh, how about a, how to punt kick pass? Something yeah, like maybe. That. <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> 
but uh, so it's a it's a good rich history that's actually happened here at Bardstown. What talk about some of like the recent history, right? Because we've seen a, a huge resurgence with some of the brands that are coming out of Barton. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, go back to two thousand prior to two thousand nine um, when Sazerac bought us. Uh, our parent company at the time was um, kind of, like I said, reducing their footprint in distilled spirits. So, of course, they weren't putting any weight behind the brands. Um, but then in conjunction with this, this really bourbon push that we've seen over the last you know, five to ten years, um, things have really stepped up. Um, so it's a good time to be in bourbon. But you look at our – all of our brands are doing well, uh, particularly 1792. We, Sazerac has really put some effort behind that, as you've seen some of our expressions come out. But even beyond that, you look at Very Old Barton is on allocation. Kentucky Tavern's on allocation. Kentucky Gentleman is hard to find sometimes. So we make eight different brands here, and they're, for the most part, all doing pretty well. Let's talk about those different brands, right? Yeah, so kind of give our listeners, like, everything that they could expect when they come to visit Barton, like what what they understand is coming out of here and and leaving your loading docks. Okay. out of this property, we we promote eight brands that we produce here. Um, starting kind of towards the bottom, you have Ten High and Kentucky Gentleman, which are both blends. Um, you also have Tom Moore and Colonel Lee, uh, which are more marketed to the Deep South states. I was about to say, I was like, you don't really see Colonel Lee yeah. around here because I've, I've seen it, let me think, in Florida or Atlanta or something like right, that. Right, so that brand actually died at one point. We totally got rid of it and then brought it back. Um, but it's on the market, but it's only available in some of the deep South states, uh, two or three states. So some of the brands are not widely promoted. Um, but then stepping on, uh, going up a little bit further up, you've got uh, Zachariah Harris, uh, Kentucky Tavern, Varial Barton in 1792. So talk about some of the ages that are in each one of these two, because I know it varies um, throughout all of them. Sure. Um, age statements, we, we've dropped the age statements on most of our bourbons, as a lot of brands have, because it, you know, with bourbon being in a shortage, um, you don't want to cancel a barrel out that's seven years old that still tastes Just some of them taste yeah. some of them taste better than the eight years old. So you hate to push those barrels out of the way just based on on the extra age. So we have lost the age statement um, on most of our brands. However, 1792 is still around an eight-year-old bourbon. Uh, Varial Barton comes in around a six, and then the, the others are a little bit lesser. Okay, because I think when I still go to the liquor store and I see Varial Barton, most of the time it's I can still find an age statement. So is that is that kind of going away where the age dated six right. is? Right, and we, we don't claim it's, it's six years old um, anymore, but uh, I'm not aware that, that it's less than six, but... Right. Yeah, and VOB kind of has like a cult following. What, it why does. is that? I mean, I know it's a good product, but it's just, it's crazy that the cult following it has. Yeah. It, well, it's a great bourbon. It comes in four different proofs. Great value. Yeah. Great value. I, I've seen the, the 86 proof, which is the number one seller out of the four proofs, um, go anywhere from $10 to $15 for a fifth. Um, it's a regional bourbon. So a lot of people outside the area don't know about it. Um, it's not marketed in all 50 states. Um, it is a bourbon drinker's bourbon. It's very straightforward, very traditional in flavor. So if you think about bourbon, that's what you're going to get out of Varial Barton. So we hear people, you know, that talk about Varial Barton, everything. That's what my grandfather always drank, or that's what I cut my teeth on, or, you know, <laughs> right. that's what I— Hot that, toddies. That's where I started out in college. Um, comes in four different proofs, so it, it kind of goes the whole range from an 80 proof um, all the way up to 100 proof. So 80, 86, 90, and 100 proof. You know, most of your bartenders and a lot of bourbon purists like the 100 proof. It's still bottled and bond. Um, it's the only product that we make out of here, bottled and bond. Um, you know, the 86 proof is a nice mellow bourbon, um, but still full flavored. So a lot of that, like I said, number one seller 
um, out of the four. So I'm going to question uh, some of the, well, I'm not going to question, but I'm going to kind of uh, try to gauge your your level of knowledge here on the individual brands themselves. So do you have any kind of like uh, idea of like the history of the labels themselves, like where Very Old Barton, just the name came from, or was it just the Barton Distillery in there? Like, we're just going to slap Very Old on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Barton um, was brought in by Oscar Getz. Um, Oscar Getz and Lester Abelson bought up the distillery in the 1940s. Um, they owned a liquor distributor in uh, Chicago, Barton Brands, and then they wanted to get into production. Uh, when we've asked, we've asked uh, Oscar Getz family, uh, people have asked Oscar Getz before, prior to his passing in the 1980s, he always said he just picked the name out of a hat. So, <laughs> nice. How about it? And then, Real strategic. Yeah, yeah, so and then 1792, for anybody that doesn't know, Ryan, I'll question you. Do you know why it was called 1792? Uh Independence Day or something. <laughs> so, in, in a matter of ways, yes. Yeah, it's, so it's it's when Kentucky finally became a state. Yeah, right? Kentucky. Correct. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were originally the largest county in Virginia. Um, so we finally got our, our walking paper, so to speak, um, and June 1st of 1792 to become the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Yeah. And so this was also something else that, that we talked about this before we started recording. We were kind of going through is that if anybody's out there and they might find some old bottles on the shelf, you'll see 1792 and it says Ridgemont Reserve. So kind of talk about what Ridgemont is in regards to the, the, the whole thing here that's going on at Barton. Yes. Yeah, so our, our previous bottle, um, it was January of last year when we did a little bit, I say a little bit, but it was a, a pretty big bottle decoration change. Uh, the bourbon in the so- inside the bottle stayed the same, but um, the previous bottle had white lettering that said 1792, and then below that in gold said Ridgemont Reserve. Uh, Ridgemont Reserve referred to our still, which was called the Ridgemont Still. Reserve meaning the best that came off the Ridgemont Still. Um, the reason we dropped that is just to clean up the bottle a little bit, and then also to um, basically outside the distillery, uh, Ridgemont didn't hold any weight. So, um, so the the general public, there's no, there's no Ridge. We're not in Ridgemont, Kentucky. There's no Mister Ridgemont. So, <laughs> right. Like outside the property, it didn't hold any weight. And then also, we knew that we were going to come out with the expressions, um, and in order not to clutter up the bottle uh, with those different labels, we dropped the Ridgemont so that we could put the other other taglines in there. So, talk about the still itself, right? Because you're giving us a little bit of factoids about how it's. I don't know, the biggest one in the world or whatever it is, right? So kind of kind of talk and give our listeners, um, you know, some more selling points of why they should come visit Barton. Sure. It's not quite the biggest, but it is one of the biggest in bourbon operation. Um, it's six feet wide and five stories tall. Um, it is column still, so it's continuous distillation, theoretically. We still run in batches. Um, <clears throat> we're running that still pretty much seven days a week. We also have a doubler, which is a second still on top of the roof. Um, so out of that still... Uh, our first distillation, our low wines coming out about 125 proof. Once we run it through the doubler, our finished distillate or white dog, like we saw at the top of the still, is coming out around 140 proof. So. We just tasted it. It was pretty tasty. Yeah, I know. It's, it smelled like fire, but it tasted good going Yeah, down. I know. Exactly. Right, and that's another interesting thing about bourbon that I find that even outside of the finished product, as you go from distillery to distillery, if you get an opportunity to taste their white dog or their distillate, everybody's distillate is going to taste a little bit different. Right. And I honestly, once you taste it out of the still or out of uh, the box right there, when it's a little warm, it almost tastes better than like having to like have it set aside and have right, it be cold. It. Yeah, it, yeah. It almost tastes better that way. Um, so we talked, you kind of hinted at the 1792 expressions. Let's, let's talk about those a little bit because um, as we said, there's seen, we've seen a resurgence in the past year and we've seen a lot of people. And um, a lot of rave reviews on, yeah, on some of them. People go ape shit over it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we can, yeah. we can be real about it. Right. So, I mean, you've got your, your 1792, then 
then you got uh, Sweet Wheat, then you had the Port Finish, and then you, know, you just recently came out with a brand new one too. But I'm not going to ruin it. So you kind of kind of talk about uh, the lines and and you know whether some are going to make a reappearance or the history of them, why they're even there to begin with. Sure. Um, so in conjunction with the bottle decoration change that we just talked about, um, we knew that we wanted to come out with a kind of things to spice things up a little bit and uh, show a little bit more depth to this distillery that people weren't accustomed to. Uh, people know this distillery as a workhorse, but we have not really known us for, for what we can do. Um, so, and getting a little bit deeper in the brand, uh, prior to the Sazerac purchase, we had started putting away a wheat bourbon. Um, as I'm sure most of your listeners are aware, the two main recipes are bourbon. Uh, bourbon are uh, corn, barley, and rye, um, or corn, barley, and wheat. This distillery is known for our, our rye recipes. 1792 is a high rye brand. So it's got a lot of spice to it. So we put away this wheat recipe. So replacing that rye with wheat. Came out with a full-flavored uh, wheat bourbon. Uh, aged it seven years in the top floor of our warehouse, so it picked up a lot of body. Came in at 91.2 proof, um, so it's a, a great wheat bourbon. Um, and as soon as you nose it, uh, you're going to know it's a wheat right off the batch, or, or right off, or, sorry, right off the start uh, from the nose. Um, but then also, it, it carries a lot of body because it aged in the in the top of the warehouse, so it picked a lot of flavor up from that oak. So it's one of my favorite wheat bourbons on the market, not just because it pays my paycheck, but also <laughs> because. Because it holds a body that a lot of wheat uh, bourbons don't hold. Um, now, our second expression to come out later uh, that year was our port finish. A funny story about our port finish is a couple years ago, we were doing tours, and uh, there were a line of port barrels that rolled out onto the tour floor. And uh, not rolled out. They were just there one day when we came in. So I asked our master distiller at the time, you know, what's up with the port barrels over in the, the side of the warehouse? And you know, he would never lie to me, but he just wouldn't answer my question. <laughs> he said, what port barrels? And about a week later, they were gone. I don't know gone. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. They, they were gone. And then finally, two years later, we found out what it was. So what happened uh, with the port finish, that was our second expression. We took our 1792 rye mash bill, put it away for six years in the oak casks. Um, after it was finished in the oak in six years, uh, we put it into port wine casks for another two years. So it was a two-year port finish. Most port finishes on the market are about six months old. Um, ours was two years. So the, with that one, a little bit different in that um, really kind of uh, sweetened it up a little bit. So you get dried fruit and oats out of it, um, really develop those middle fruity flavors of the bourbon. The nice thing, too, is it took a little bit, little bit of the bite um, that sometimes you get out of the rye um, because we are a high rye mash bill. Um, but then uh, it came in at 88.9 proof. Is it It's like a type of or the brand of port that you used or I or investigated it? those barrels. I couldn't find the brand. Gotcha. <laughs> so I don't think it was particularly one brand that we we've, we've really kind of talked about. I just know that it, in big bold letters on the side of the barrel it said port. So there was no joke what, about what a lot of companies have done a port fan. What is it about port that you know it makes it a good, I guess, cast to finish it in? But it's just a nice addition. Kind of the it brings a, a deep fruity note to the bourbon, uh, which complements to the bourbon recipe uh, without conflicting against that. So. Gotcha. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon, and that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, 
and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So talk about, uh, are you going to see any more of these? Because I mean, like you just said that, you know, Barton and 1792 hadn't been known for that, right? You wanted to show a little bit more depth. Now, were these just like one-time experiments and you're like, well, we'll see what happens. You're like, oh shit, like we did something really well here. Like we Mm -hmm. should, we should continue this. Well, I know that they started putting weed away for, for a while. So we've got, I hope we have more in stock that we will eventually see the wheat, you know, for a couple more times. It's been released twice. uh, So once over the, the past couple of years, um, Port finish, we didn't have any plans to redo. So that was a one and done. Uh, so if you can find a bottle out there, definitely pick it up. Because um, we don't have any direct plans. To re- you haven't re- seen any port barrels rolling around again? <laughs> <laughs> Not seen any. Other than the empty one sitting up at the barrel shed. Uh, so we haven't seen any more port barrels. Um, we did release a couple more expressions. The single barrel expression, which was a little bit higher proof, eighty-eight or um, 98.6. Uh, proof versus the 93.7 proof. Of course, every single barrel is going to taste a little bit different. So allows you to kind of play around. Uh, so as you look at your your local retailers, they're going to have the opportunity to do their own private picks as well. So you'll see those hit, hit the market as well. Um, and then our full proof, w- which we just came out with uh, earlier this summer, full proof is 125 proof version. So rather than doing a barrel strength, we took it back to what our entry proof is. So we distill up to about 140 proof, goes into the barrel no higher than 120. 25 proof by law. So that's what we fill our barrels at. We age our barrels high, so our proof goes up. So our finished barrels are about 130 to 140 proof. We brought it just down to 125 proof. And the nice thing about that for, I'm sure that your listeners will like this, is that that is our only product that is non-chill filtered. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. awesome. So I guess talk a little bit more about that. What was the idea of, of bringing a barrel proof, well, I guess not technically barrel proof, maybe it's, uh, what would you call it, entry proof mm-hmm. offering to market, right? Like what was, the, what was the motivation factor behind that? We wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, barrel proof is great. If you ever get a chance to try barrel proof bourbon, by all means, uh, do so. It's like heaven in a bottle. Yeah, it's like HD for, you know, for <laughs> <Yeah>. HD. <laughs> so um, basically, we wanted to put a product out that was higher proof. Um, we wanted to do something a little bit different, but also anytime that you do a, a, a new product on the market, you have to get TTP label approval, um, which includes proof changes. So if you do a barrel proof one year and then a barrel proof the next year, your proofs might not be the same proof. 
So you're going to have to get new label approval. So we wanted a product that we could continuously come out with and not have to to chase that label approval time over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we it's still a steady proof. It's high proof. Um, and it's unique that it came in at, at barrel entry proof. Talk a little bit more about that in regards to barrel picks, because we've seen a lot of people, I mean, you can go across the nation and you can go to a lot of liquor stores and they've got, you know, 1792 single barrels. Um, But then we just learned this past week. So Owen Powell, who's another friend of the show, um, he works at Beverage Warehouse uh, that's actually in Louisville. And he came and was picking out a, a bottle or a barrel of 1792. And he asked, he says, can we make this a foolproof? And apparently, like, it's going to go green light, got the rubber stamp. And so is that something that um, for some of our special listeners out there that have those relationships with liquor stores and have the opportunity to go and do those barrel picks, like, could they for, uh, possibly see in their future having a 1792 foolproof uh, single barrel pick? Yes. Um, so prior to uh, the release of the single barrel, um, all of the private picks that came out of here were still in the small batch bottle. It still said small batch, but it had their own private single barrel select medallion. This year, when we released the single barrel, first step was to allow that um, that single barrel pick to actually go into a single barrel bottle, which was nice because that consistent on the label. Um Price point's a little bit higher, but not out of reach. And then just recently with the foolproof, we've just started to release uh, the option of foolproof single barrel uh, picks. Uh, so Owen's uh, account, Beverage Warehouse, is going to be one of the first uh, that we're able to do so on that. Um, I just picked out my first barrel uh, foolproof uh, yesterday with the Harrison Smith House uh, restaurant here in town. Uh, so we'll, we'll hope to see that. And there's one being bottled right now for, I think, the, the Georgia Bourbon Society. Awesome. So if you couldn't get a bottle of 1792 uh, port finish, you don't have to like go crazy trying to get the foolproof because it sounds like it's going to be a little bit easier. And these will maybe be a, a as usual. these private picks come out, they, there should be a little bit more on the market because we're gonna, the, with a foolproof. Um, it might come out from time to time, but it's going to be a very limited release. And the same thing with the single barrel. Um, as you see the general release, it'll be a, very limited. So you'll see people chasing it. Um, but then you know the the glory behind doing a single barrel in addition to you know the foolproof as as good as it is with the single barrel then you'll get to get a, a fuller uh strength bourbon that somebody hand selected out of a selection of anywhere from 5 to 10 barrels so Awesome. That's so cool. I think we uh, we might have beaten the 1792 horse at death here. <laughs> so let's let's kind of talk a little bit more um, about Barton and the brands in general. So we talked before the show that you have four different mash bills that are that are here, right? Can Correct. You, can you talk a little bit about those? Like what makes one different than the other? Anything well, like that? Mash bills, as, as everybody knows, are recipes. So they're going to vary in in how how much grain goes into it, whether it's corn, rye, or barley. Um, you know, Sazerac's very protective about those mash bills. I always tell the story. I went to Ken Pierce, our master, still, our previous master stiller at the time, and asked him about mash bills my first uh, week here. And he told me to mind my own business and go back to the beer <laughs> shop. No, he, he was actually very nice about it, but he let me know that Sazerac is very protective of our mash bills. So um, it's not information. Rightfully we re- so. Yeah. Uh, it's not information we typically release as far as what percentages actually go into those mash bills. The, the one bit of information that we do tell is here at Barton, we have four mash bills, three of them are rye focused and one's wheat. So, but we hardly ever use the wheat. We only have the capacity to hold three grains at a time. So we have to put our wheat into our rye bin, burn through the wheat, and then turn over to rye. And usually, once we start up with our rye mash bills, we'll push on through. You're gonna do that for a little uh, bit. Is there? Do y'all have any rye or I guess rye whiskey? 
uh, mash bills that are not bourbon, I guess. But we do have a straight rye mash bill um, that we do some uh, either brands that we don't really promote that come out of here um, or uh, NDPs. Gotcha. That we do, but um, any plans for a rye label out of here? Oh, or? I'd love to see one. I would too. I'm starting to get into the rye more. Yeah, it, rye's coming along. At, you know, I've heard uh, Jimmy Russell over at Wild Turkey uh, a lot of times say, you know, it, you think bourbon's hot, and you know, look at how rye's coming along. Yeah, exactly. So, talk about some of the other. At least I was doing a little research when I came here. You guys age other spirits here as well, we right? Do. So, yes. kind of, kind of talk about that. Um, our previous owners, Constellation Spirits, own Paul Masson Brandy. Um, they already had this process in place, so we kept it as a contract. Um, when we dump our bourbon barrels out, of course, by law, you cannot use a used barrel in bourbon production. So we will um, put California Grape Brandy into the barrels and put them back in the warehouse from two to four years. So we have uh, we age brandy on the first three floors of our warehouse and then bourbon fourth floor and above. So how's that work? Are you guys like shipping the barrels somewhere and then the barrels are making their way back here to be aged? Or are you guys making it here? Or how, how's that uh, work? No, we don't make it here. Uh, so it comes into us raw spirit. So just raw distilled brandy comes in by tanker. Um, then we basically we dump the barrels here on property um, and then we'll put the brandy in, age it, and then we dump the brandy and then we bottle the brandy and ship it back out as full cases. So I guess you you, named, you talked about Ken Pierce already. So if anybody doesn't know, Ken Pierce was the master distiller here uh, at Barton. Uh, he retired back in May of this past year. Um, so you said you had some some run-ins with him. I mean, other than him saying to go mind your own business, right? Uh, <laughs> what other kind of like uh, life lessons or any kind of like good lessons about the industry or the trade that you learned directly from him? Oh, uh, lots of lots of great things. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not a, a chemistry guy. I'm not a production guy. I come from a marketing background uh, with a marketing degree from the University of Kentucky. So there's lots of times I would just come in and ask him questions about how stuff's made and how stuff works. And, you know, he would... You're like my daughter, right? Why? Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> but he, he was very gracious about letting me know. Um, but then he was also good about no, seeing my eyes glass over when we start talking about pH or <laughs> protein. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm done. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, example, I, I was talking to him um, about proof, barrel proof. Um, you know, seeing our barrels, I had proofed some of our barrels out, you know, coming out anywhere from 130 to 140 proof finished. Um, but then I, I ran across another barrel strength on the market from a, a competing brand that was like 114 proof. And I said, I asked him about how does that work? I mean, I, I understand, you know, the evaporation out of the barrel, we get water loss. So, of course, our, our concentration of alcohol is going to be higher. And he's talking about the brand, they age their bourbon low. Um, so that's one thing he explained to me because they age low, just like scotches, you don't get the temperature fluctuation because the, the climate in Scotland is different from ours. Their proof goes down as well. So if you age your bourbon low, your proof is going to go down. Whereas if you age your bur bourbon high, your proof is going to go up. So that's just an example of, of one of the lessons he taught me. So, and then just hearing his stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, so I've also read there, there this time they haven't named a successor yet. So you're going to start gunning for his you job. Or gonna... No, no. <laughs> yeah, one of my friends on the, on the bourbon boards, uh, asked me about that. So now that he's gone, it might have takes place. And I said, no, I, you know, I was lucky to pass Kim too in college. So, right, yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess a, a good question to ask about you, because there's, uh, first, how many people come through the visitor center here at Barton? Because it's, it's not, uh, maybe well known by a lot of people, right? Yeah, and it's fairly new too. Relatively new. We started doing public tours. Our visitor center opened in 2011. Um, so you look at us, look at us next to our sister company, um, Buffalo Trace. 
Um, that brand came out in 99, I believe. Um, they're doing over 100,000 people a year. Um, we this, we just finished out our fiscal year uh, last week and uh, finished out with over 26,000 visitors here. So um, probably not a, as big as a lot, but we've got great growth. Um, the thing about it is uh, our main goal here is to push the brand. So if we can get people in that may not know what's made here, um, we'll, we can turn them on to Varial Barton or 17i2, um, but vice versa, strengthening the relationships we have with our regular fans. You know, a lot of people that, that are fans of 17i2 don't know that it's made at Barton. So getting them in here and kind of showing them how it's made. Um, so it's kind of a, a circular thing. We want the visitors um, to push the brand and the brand also pushes the visitors too. So 26,000 people rolled through here. There has to be at least something that's common that uh, is among a few different people that maybe they're always surprised about after taking the tour. Do you, do you kind of have any idea of, of what people might come away with that they didn't know about before because they, they made it to Barton? Sure. Uh, one thing is they don't know how big this property is. Um, you know, From the street, it looks like we have five warehouses because you drive down into a valley. Um, when you get down here, you learn that we are on 196 acres and we have 28 or 29 warehouses actually. So. Yeah, and if you keep going down, I guess, Boston Road, you can see all those and how, how big the property actually is Right. when you're going like past Simpson Lake and all that. Yeah. So it's it's a huge property. What else makes the, the distillery and the tour unique compared to maybe some other ones that are that you, you have opportunities to go? Sure. We, we like to pride ourselves in that we provide a authentic experience. So as we saw, we walked through the distillery. It's not made up. Um, you're not behind glass. You're right there next to the still. You could reach out and touch it, although we don't encourage you to. <laughs> it's <laughs> hot. Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> now, um, we'll go into an authentic warehouse. You'll see the barrels that are there aging. Um, so you get the real experience. We, we haven't dressed any of the operations up for tours. It's and then we have uh, several tours a day that go through the bottling halls. So you'll see bottles being filled. A lot of times it's not bourbon. Uh, we do bottle a lot of other products. Um, then we have a, an estate tour that goes out uh, once a day, Monday through Friday. And that's a two-hour experience. It's a motorized tour. So you'll see the distillery, a traditional warehouse, bottling. But you also go up to our palletized warehouse, uh, which holds 80,000 barrels, as well as barrel fill and barrel dump. So you'll see pretty much everything here. Um, also, nice photo op as we are home to the world's largest bourbon barrel. Um, so I saw that. I was it was going by. I was like, oh, it's like going around the street and be like, oh, there's the biggest ball of yarn, right? We got to get <laughs> yeah. a picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a world record. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one last question I have for you. Um, so we were in the gift shop before we came here, and we saw you, and I saw this. You have like half gallon bags full of like barrel char. Mm -hmm. So kind of talk about like a, a the idea behind it and b like some of the uses for it. Sure. The one of the byproducts of dumping the barrel out, uh, you got to think the insides of those barrels are charred or burnt. Um, so naturally, with a higher char, some of that's going to flake off. Mm -hmm. So as we dump the, the bourbon out, the first thing we do is screen filter it, pulling any of that char out. And there's a lot of char that comes out of there. Uh, when we started doing uh, public visitors here, start bagging that up and selling it in one-gallon bags. And you can use that. What we encourage people to use it for is... Uh, as wood chips for smoking. So you can put them in an aluminum pie tin right on top of your gas grill or on top of the coals of your, your smoker, and it will help um, not impede a nice bourbon yeah. flavor to it. Um, I've, we've actually had people come in, and they buy it for potpourri. <laughs> oh, interesting. And the nice thing about it, if it loses its scent, you just dump some more bourbon over top of it. That's perfect. <laughs> so what's, what's next for Barton? Next for Barton, um, we're hoping to – I know that we are planning to um, – 
expand our dryer house and get a new dryer house. Our dryer house now is from 1946, um, so it definitely needs to be replaced. Um, I'm hoping that eventually, once they move that dryer house out, that we'll have an event space here. Um, and then we're also looking at visitor center expansion. But as we continue to, to increase production as well, you'll be seeing us adding more tanks. Um, you'll definitely see brand-wise, you'll see more and more expressions of the 1792 coming down the line as well. Good. I think that's what everybody wants to hear yeah, is more expressions, hear, right? For yeah. sure. <laughs> well, Josh, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show today. This was uh, fantastic to get insights into 1792. As I was saying before we started, we can check another DSP another off the list, note, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I, I was glad we got to come. Not a lot of people know, you know, the Barton name. They know they might recognize 1792, but they might not know the Barton name. And I'm glad we can give our or list. Kentucky Tavern, right? Or Kentucky Tavern, <laughs> which we know quite too well. But uh, I'm glad we give some of those listeners that may not know the story behind it and stuff because it is interesting and it's cool, you know, being from Bardstown. To, right, uh, and and not only that, I mean, there's, I mean, you're in Bardstown, right? So there's plenty of distilleries around. So make sure you come to Bardstown, uh, ask to see Josh. He'll give you a private tour, right? <laughs> <laughs> He'll take you right up to the still, right up to touch the, it, yeah. And get some white dog. <laughs> but uh, honestly, Josh, thank you again for being on the show today. This was a, it was a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you all for inviting me. Great. Glad to have you all down. So if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all those other great social media channels. If you like the show, also support us on Patreon. Uh, we've got a lot of great gifts that we're sending out for all of our listeners. We gave just Josh one of the limited edition koozies as well. So, uh, yeah, and, I, and we saw a cool gift. I think we're going to be giving out for next. Oh month. yeah, we're we're in the we're in the gift shop, so we're going to go shopping here a minute for for some for of our some, listeners. Some goodies for you guys. And, but make sure you go to Patreon. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash bourbon pursuit. Yeah, and all, as always, we love uh, suggestions, feedback, any comments that you guys can give us. We just want to keep this thing going and making it better each time. So uh, we'll see you next time.